Max's Morning Market Mania has returned. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Max Kozmolski. As you guys know, thank you so much for tuning in. I have a very special kind of episode for you guys today. It's not like the normal uh, Morning Market Mania where I discover, or uh, where I discuss, rather, recent happenings in the markets, and I go over articles and such, and I go in-depth and give my opinions and the repercussions on these events. Today, I'm going to talk about my five favorite things to invest in through the 2020s, my five top picks. And I'm gonna go in reverse order. So my fifth favorite will start and all the way at the end will be my absolute favorite pick for the 2020s. So as, a, as I preface this, I must say, this is not investment advice. Do not listen to me. I am not in any way, shape or form responsible for your capital gains or your capital losses. That is all on you. Do your own research. It's not fun losing a lot of money. I've been an idiot and listened to random people on the internet uh, to gauge my investment decisions. And a lot of times it has resulted in capital losses. And I don't want that for you guys. I just want this to be informative. I want you guys to listen to this, take a gander, uh, explore the ideas further. Maybe these investments are for you, maybe they're not. One way or another, consult your financial advisor and always do your own research. I'm not responsible for your financial capital gains or losses. And with that being said, number five, my fifth favorite investment of the 2020s. It's also the most boring, the least fun, and the slowest. Dollar cost averaging into the S&P 500. This is the most reliable, the most safe, and quite frankly, the slowest way to grow wealth, its efficiency really comes in after you do it for decades. So although it is more appealing as a retirement plan, something that you should be doing for 30, 40, 50, maybe 60 years, uh, it can still be done during the 2020s. And uh, I'll, get, I'll go in depth on this. So Historically, the S&P 500, the stock market, as you guys know, the S&P 500 is Standard & Poor's 500 largest companies by market cap in the United States. And this has historically returned 8 to 10% compounded annually. Now, that doesn't come without a 40% drawdown this year. Uh, not this year as in 2022, but, you know, it might go up 15% this year. It might go up 20% the next year. It might go down 20% the next year. 2% the following year, but on average, over the course of decades, this has historically returned eight to 10% compounded annually. Now, with the given scenario, we have 8.1 or 8.2% inflation, so that pretty much wipes out all of your gains. Uh, I really don't know what to tell you because inflation sucks and there's not really a good way around it, but I'd rather have 8% nominal gains in a currency that's losing 8% in value every year, rather than just holding dollars, getting 0% nominal gains, and then a negative 8% return or a negative 8% loss in the purchasing power of the dollars. So this is a multi-decade game plan. And this has worked for a lot of people. And it has been typically the investment strategy of people over the last 50, 60, 70 years. I kind of wanted to, my other option for number five was the Burr method, which is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. 
And that involves real estate, it involves buying a house, it involves rehabbing the house, fixing it up, and then renting it out, and then refinancing it. When you rent it out, you build up equity in the property uh, because your tenant is paying rent and that rent goes towards you building equity in the property. And once you build up enough equity, then you refinance it, you take a loan out against the house, and then you use that money to repeat. You buy another house and then you collect rent from both of them until you can refinance both and then repeat the method. But this is out of reach for me at the moment. And I know for a lot of my viewers, it's likely out of reach. You need to be a big player to play in real estate. And it's a very big decision, but it is not number five. Number five is dollar cost averaging into the S&P 500. That means you buy the lows, you buy the highs, you fucking buy it all. And at the end of the day, it, in all the scenarios in the past, you look ahead 10 years, the S&P 500 has always been far more valuable than it has in the previous years. So over the long run, I think it'll continue to go up as economies grow, as, econ as economies become more efficient, as businesses grow. I do think this will continue to go up decade after decade after decade. And if you dollar cost average in, you buy the lows, you buy the highs, your average will hopefully be a little bit lower. And even when you buy high, you're not gonna sell for decade until decades into the future. And then when you thought you bought high, it ends up looking low because the price is much higher in the future. So with that being said, number four, my fourth favorite investment of the 2020s, crypto and blockchain technologies. So this is a big one. I believe that crypto and the blockchain I think where we are right now with crypto and the blockchain, I think we are in the mid to late 90s with the internet, maybe early 2000s. But even in the last 10 years, the internet has completely taken over. It's huge. Everything is on the internet, all these businesses. You can't find a business without a web page. The, inter the internet is huge, to say the least. But the blockchain, the blockchain is simply too efficient to not be widely used in businesses, in uh, economies, in countries, and banking, supply chain. Uh, there, there's use cases for it pretty much everywhere. And one thing that I do particularly like about it, as you guys hear me talk about gold a lot, uh, there's, there's kind of like a conflict between the gold community and the Bitcoin community. The gold community calls Bitcoin internet funny money. It's nothing. It's not tangible. You can't hold it. If the grid goes down, what are you going to do with it? I understand those arguments. But right now, you look at the younger generation, even millennials, Gen Z, people love the internet funny money. The younger generation has completely adopted the whole crypto mentality. They love the idea of it. And they will be the future. The younger generation always ends up replacing the older generation. And I believe that this is a big enough uh, tailwind for crypto to further gain mass adoption, not only used as currencies, but using the blockchains and businesses and whatnot. I think the younger generation's favorability in this will aid in its mass adoption. And putting businesses on the blockchain and transactions on the blockchain, it increases security, it increases speed, it increases efficiency. I, I think it's simply too efficient and too economic to not be 
widely adopted. So one of my arguments for this uh, that's in favor of uh, crypto is the fact that right now the global derivatives market is valued at about two quadrillion dollars. That's 2,000 trillions. That is a number that our feeble minds are simply unable to comprehend. It's a lot of money. And I think that it's very reasonable as, as uh, fiat currencies further diminish in value, as governments continue to be irresponsible and damage the purchasing power of our dollars, and they print money whenever they need to or whenever they want to, I think that it'll push people away from the fiat currencies and people will seek alternate solutions like Bitcoin or Ethereum or XRP or any of these big cryptos. And I ran some numbers for you guys. If crypto, which is currently at a uh, $918 billion market cap, if crypto were able to absorb 1% of the global derivatives market, I personally don't think that's far-fetched. Like I said, the technology, it's efficient. I do think it'll be widely adopted. I think the governments are driving us out of currencies. If the crypto market were able to absorb 1% of the global derivatives market of two quadrillion, then we would have a crypto market cap of about $20 trillion. And right now, Bitcoin has a dominance in the market of about 40%. So 40% of the uh, $918 billion market cap, Bitcoin owns 40% of it. So in this scenario, with the same amount of uh, Bitcoin dominance percentage of 40%, if crypto were able to get a $20 trillion market cap, we would see a Bitcoin price of $418,000. It's $19,200 right now, give or take. Whenever you're listening to this, it's so volatile, it could be way up, it could be way down, but you guys get the point. Now, I don't think it's, it's further far-fetched, but I don't think it's impossible that crypto eats up 5% of the global derivatives market. Now this is a far this is this is far fetched kind of and we don't need this number. We we don't even need 1%. We hardly even need half a percent to see these crazy massive gains. But if it did adopt 5% of the global derivatives market, we would see a bitcoin price of about 2 million dollars. That's a 100x move from where we are at right now. So I wanted to talk about ways to play in the crypto market. Number one, Bitcoin, the granddaddy of all cryptos, the first, the OG, the one that institutional uh, funds uh, put their money in. There's legitimate institutional demand for Bitcoin. There isn't institutional demand for Shiba Inu or Dogcoin or anything like that. But because of Bitcoin's reliability and its efficiency and its decentralization, institutions have found favor in it and have adopted it. You see companies like MicroStrategy, which have adopted this Bitcoin mentality. And I think this is just the beginning. Uh, I would say Ethereum, but I, I do think Ethereum will grow. I mean, as Bitcoin grows, there's no way Ethereum won't grow, but its technology is not the best. It was the best for the time it was created, either 2013 or 2015. You'll have to forgive me on that. I don't know the exact number, the exact year. Uh, so Ethereum isn't in my list, but I looked at the technologies 
the newer cryptos that are better than Ethereum. Everything Ethereum wanted to be, but wasn't able to be at the current given moment because the technology just simply wasn't there. Ethereum was the second cryptocurrency. We didn't know much about the blockchain. We didn't, we didn't know how to scale it further and make it more efficient. But my favorite crypto is called Kadena. The ticker is KDA. And it's at about a $250 million market cap. And it solves the trilemma which Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, stated. And that trilemma is security, speed, and scalability. Now, Kadena has completely demolished Ethereum in all three of those categories. It's infinitely scalable as they operate, as they require further scalability, they add blockchains and then they operate on numerous different chains, which will increase the scalability to be able to suit a company like MasterCard, which might need hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. Ethereum cannot handle that. Bitcoin cannot handle that. This is a speculative bet on a very small crypto that I think could potentially be a big crypto. At a $250 million market cap, if it, if it were to gain mass adoption and be used in a whole bunch of different businesses, I do think we could see a scenario where it has a market cap in the tens of billions, maybe hundreds of billions. Now that is... I mean, you might as well just disregard what I said there because that is like reaching for the skies. That is, I'm not saying it's unlikely. I think it will likely happen, but this doesn't mean you should invest in it or anything. I'm using my own money. I like risk. I'm 23. I can afford risk. I'm making speculative bets on cryptos that I think are just rock solid technologies that will help our future and help humanity and Kadena is one of them xrp it's another one the market cap is about 25 billion dollars it is a great solution for cross-border payments and maybe even an alternative currency and it's currently involved in an sec an sec lawsuit right now which i believe they will win and i think xrp has the capability of having a market cap north of 500 billion dollars now i don't have as much of a I, my bets on XRP aren't as big as they are on Kadena, but this is for you to decide. I'm just giving you guys examples. You can explore these technologies further. There's another crypto out there called Quant that I really like, and it is all about connecting blockchains from all around the world. And I do think that will be of great importance because we won't just have one individual crypto. It won't be Bitcoin just running everything. We'll have multiple different cryptos as they're all different businesses and they all have different services and different purposes. So being able to operate between blockchains is of vital importance and Quant might be able to service that need. And they're at about a $2.2 billion market cap. Yeah, $2.2 billion market cap. So, and, and last but not least, Flux, they focus on Web3 technologies. I'm not gonna get into the nitty gritty details, but I'm, I'm very bullish on Web3. I think it's a technology that'll be widely adopted and Flux is at the center of that. And they're at about a $218 million market cap. And by the way, they're partnered with Kadena and they all have really good leadership in their companies. So I find favor in them. And that brings us to number three, Max's third favorite investment of the 2020s. And that is 
gold and silver miners. These are commodities that are silver uh, specifically has lots of industrial usage and right now there's actually contrary to popular belief there's less silver above ground than there is gold and you would think that there's way more silver I mean silver is 1 90th the price of gold you would think that there would be way more silver above ground but there's actually not because as it gets used in industry it is not uh, it's not economic to uh, pull it out of the technology. Like when you're recycling a refrigerator, it's not economic to take that refrigerator apart or that computer apart or that TV apart and pull the little bit of silver out because it's only 18 bucks an ounce, 18.50 and 19 bucks an ounce, something like that. But gold and silver miners, they'll offer leverage gains to gold and silver. So if you pay attention to the markets, you'll see maybe like silver is up 3% on the day, gold is up like 1.6% on the day. Gold is a bigger body. It's got a market cap around 10, 12 trillion dollars and it doesn't move nearly as much as silver. Silver is a much, much smaller market. And this is something that I wanted to get into because I've seen this a lot in various different markets. So take the gold market. If it's a $10 trillion market cap, for it to increase in value, for its price to go up 10%, you need $1 trillion to move into that market. That's a lot of money. That is not one investor. That's not one major financial institution. It's hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of institutions, personal investors, all putting their money into it. But silver, it has a much smaller market cap, around like 80 billion, give or take. I'm not completely up to date on these numbers, but it's roughly that, give or take 10, 15%. Now, I guess one big player, an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates or a Jeff Bezos or a Warren Buffett, they could come in and they could move the market with one purchase. $80 billion, some of these people, they do have $8 billion liquid. And you know, if they put that in, then it can move the market even further. So it requires less money. As the market gets smaller and smaller, it requires less money to get the same gains. So gold, you need a trillion dollars to get a 10% gain. Silver, you might need 8 billion to get a 10% gain. But to get even more leverage, how about a silver miner? A silver miner like First Majestic Silver. They have a market cap of around two or $3 billion. Uh, granted, I haven't checked in a while, but I'm pretty sure it's somewhere around there. If it's at a $3 billion market cap, then they only need $300 million to come into the market to get a 10% move. So it's much more realistic. Th things happen quicker, things move faster, they move harder. One player could do that. You don't even need to be a billionaire to move a market like that. So as spot price increases, you know, you see uh, silver go from $20 to $22, 10% gain. When you, when you see these moves in silver, uh, I want to finish what I said earlier. I got a little sidetracked. If gold goes up 1.6% in one day and silver goes up like 3% in one day, you'll often see the small miners go up 5, 10% in a day. So as silver moves, the silver miners move even more because the metal that they're pulling out of the ground is increasing in value, and that's nothing but straight extra profits. 
more cash flow, higher profit margins. So it makes the company more favorable to investors and people put more money in and it drives the stock price up. So with that being said, I, I really like gold and silver miners. I also like copper and nickel miners. I like cobalt miners, but gold and silver miners, they are the, the primary focus. And I wanna go over some ways to play in this market. The two probably best and least risky are GDX and SIL. They're ETFs on the stock market. GDX is for big gold miners, big established companies that have been around for a while. Their businesses are in operation. They're making a lot of money. They have multiple properties. I'm talking about the Wheaton Precious Metals of the world, the Newmonts, the Barrick Golds. They're big companies that are reliable, they're reputable, and they have free cash flow at the moment. And if you just buy GDX, it's simply a basket of big gold miners. So you don't have to go through and research these companies independently and individually and figure out what they're, how much they're pulling out of the ground every year, uh, what their profit margins are, what the management is like. If you want less risk, you can diversify further by just buying these ETFs, GDX. And SIL, that is uh, the same thing, but for silver miners. Now, if you want even further leveraged gains, you can buy GDXJ and SILJ. They're the exact same things, but for junior gold and junior silver miners. So they're much smaller. And as I said, when they're much smaller, they require less money to move the market. And they are more risky because they're smaller companies, they're less established, and we don't really know what's gonna happen to them. They might just you know, be acquired by bigger companies, but they offer leverage gains compared to uh, the bigger miners and the bigger miners offer leverage gains to the physical price. So you guys get the point. Uh, some individual companies that I, I own most of these, uh, don't even bother writing them down if you're just planning on investing based on what I say. Do not buy these unless you do your own research. Some of them might be crap. Some of my research might be uh, half-assed, but some of the ways to play this, maybe stocks to potentially look at, First Majestic Silver, Avino Silver Mines, Endeavor Silver, Tier 1 Silver, BlackRock Silver Corp, Vizsla Silver, First Mining Gold, Silver Dollar Resources, Silver One Resources, Silver Hammer, Nevada King Gold, Reina Silver Corp. These are just examples, and there's plenty more out there. And before I get to number two, I explain that Silver offers leveraged gains to gold's movement. Uh, the miners offer leveraged gains to silver's movement. And the junior, junior miners offer leveraged gains to the big miners. But what offers even more leverage than that? The explorers. These are the highest risk, but can offer the highest rewards. And they can offer the highest losses. These are companies that own properties and they are speculating on the fact that they can pull gold out of the ground in a future operation on their properties. So they're not established businesses yet. They might not even have a mining rig yet. They might not have any plans. They might just have properties and they might just be interested in drilling down, seeing how much gold they have. And if they have an absolute crap ton, then they turn in, they go from a really, really small company to likely being bought by a bigger one or starting their own operation and growing and growing and growing. This is where the largest gains can come from, but it requires the most research and it requires the most risk.
do I advise to do this? I don't advise to do anything other than do your own research. Look into it if you want though. That brings us to number two, my second favorite investment for the rest of the 2020s, uranium miners. Carbon neutral energy, gaining bipartisan support, very densely efficient in terms of the energy, very minimal waste, and very, very safe. In fact, more people every year die installing silver panels on roofs than people do at nuclear reactors. So the argument for it being unsafe is a thing of the past. What happened with Chernobyl back in the 80s, I think it was, that was, I mean, it was run by the Soviet Union and they were lying about shit, they were half-assing shit, and their mistakes and their corruption led to a disaster. Uh, we have advanced the technology enough to the point where we can contain these reactors and we can make sure that they do not get out of control. And until I'm proven otherwise, right now it seems like they are safe, they are efficient. So I'm very bullish on the technology. Now, let's talk about the supply. So right now, there is a very, very select few amount of uranium miners that are actually currently pulling the uranium out of the ground and selling it for a profit. Because the spot price is so low, these miners, they're not incentivized to conduct their operations and spend $50 to pull an, a, a pound of uranium out of the ground and then sell it on the open market for $50. There's no profit in that. But Kazatomprom uh, in Kazakhstan, that's the most efficient uranium miner on the planet. They're able to pull it out of the ground for a very, very cheap amount. So they're still in the market. They're still producing supply and they're bringing that onto the market and they're giving it to utility companies to use, uh, nuclear reactors to use and convert it into electricity. So right now we're in a scenario where we are eating up the supply that we have mined in the past and we are not replenishing it, replenishing it at an adequate rate. So at some point, and it'll likely be like seven to eight, nine years from now, we're pretty much guaranteed to run out. Now, I do not think we'll run out because if we run out, that means the lights go out and I don't think they will allow that to happen. But at some point, we will need to increase the spot price to incentivize further production. And as we increase the spot price, these miners, they're pulling it out of the ground and they're selling it for a profit. And right now, uranium is actually, it's only about, uh, what's the number? So it's at $50 a pound right now, and its all-time high was 140. That was set back in 2007. So it is a 2.x move back to its all-time high, which I believe it will greatly surpass that number. So investing in the spot price right now, you're, you would catch a 180% move just for it to revert back to its all-time highs. And with inflation and the energy crises that are going on right now, I think it'll further the demand for uranium and this clean energy solution. And I believe the spot price will be increased massively to incentivize further production. I think we'll get a huge rally in uranium and uranium stocks and uranium miners and whatnot. And I think it'll be very profitable. There's different ways to invest in this. You can invest in 
uh, the miners, the ones that are pulling it out of the ground, whether they're active right now in the mining process or not. You can invest in the refiners. You know, the miners, they pull it out of the ground and then they send it to another company, which is a refiner, to refine it into its next form, which will then be sent to a nuclear reactor to be converted into electricity. Or you can invest in the explorers, which, as I mentioned with the gold and silver miners, they offer the highest capital gains. Uh, well, the highest potential for capital gains, but they also offer the highest risk. So ways to play this, U.UN, it's on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It won't be available for most brokerages in, in the United States. That'll give you exposure to the spot price, and that's an ETF that is pretty new, and it's from Sprott Management. URNM, it's a Sprott Uranium Miners ETF, a wide basket of various different uranium miners. I really trust the people at Sprott Management. I listen to them for a lot of my knowledge in the markets, and I think they did a really good job with this. So the least risky way to play this is probably URNM. And uh, some other companies that I particularly like, I'm not saying invest in them, but UEC, Uranium Energy Corp, that's a, at about a $1.25 billion market cap. They got great management. Their CEO is a strategic monster. And Cameco, which is CCJ, they are the biggest uranium miner by market cap at an $8.47 billion market cap. Their CEO is also a strategic monster. Other uh, uranium plays, Deep Yellow, which is uh, the CEO is John Borshoff. He took Paladin from about a penny to 15 bucks during the last bull market. And he runs Deep Yellow. It's at about a $365 million market cap right now. I also like Uroy, Uranium Royalty Company. Uh, that's a different way to play the market. They have, they have stakes in various different uranium miners, and they simply take a royalty from the companies as they pull the material out of the ground. UUUU, that's Energy Fuels. I like that company, $955 million market cap. Centris Energy, they're a refiner, $545 million market cap. A couple speculative ones, Forum Energy Metals, that's only a $13 million market cap. Probably the sketchiest investment that I've mentioned so far. Fission Uranium, that's a $330 million market cap. And that concludes the uranium miners as my second favorite investment of the 2020s. And that leads us to number one, my all-time favorite investment for the 2020s. And it is, in my opinion, the safest investment out there. And that is physical silver. There is absolutely zero counterparty risk. No bank can go bankrupt and have you lose your shit because you own the physical. It's in your sock drawer, in your safe, buried in your backyard. Zero counterparty risk. I like that. And silver along with gold, and I don't want to exclude platinum. I'm talking about all three, but in particular, my favorite is physical silver. So I'm not excluding gold and silver or uh, gold and platinum from this, but silver is particularly my favorite. Right now, it's at the current price, it's about 18, 1850 right now, and its all-time high was about $50. That is a 170% move back to revert to its all-time high. Gold, on the other hand, it needs about a 27% move back to its all-time high. Those are less favorable gains. Uh, platinum, also pretty favorable. That's at about a 140% move back to its all-time high. And historically, silver trades at a ratio of 15 to 1 to the price of gold. So that means you can trade 15 ounces of silver for one ounce of gold. And this historical average goes back thousands of years. 
Gold and silver, they have thousands and thousands of years of a monetary track record, and I do think that will persist further. But right now, the gold to silver ratio is at about 90 to 1. So 90 ounces of silver will bring you to can give you one ounce of gold if you were to trade it for its U.S. dollar value. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, the supply for silver right now above ground is actually significantly lower than gold, contrary to popular belief. We are pretty much guaranteed to run out at some point in the near future. And right now the inventories in the Commodities Exchange and the London Bullion Metals Association, they are actually at their historic lows. So they're running out and as I've said in the past, it has been historically manipulated. It's not only historically undervalued, but it has been manipulated through the futures market. This means they're trading right now. The ratio to paper silver contracts to an actual physical ounce is 381 paper claims for one physical ounce. That's a game of musical chairs with 381 people walking around one fucking chair. And when the music stops, 380 people will lose and one person will win big. So with that being said, uh, another tailwind for this could potentially be that the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, they are interested in backing a currency with a commodity. And like they've done plenty of times in the past, gold has been that commodity because it is a monetary metal. I do think this could potentially happen. And Jim Records talks about this in a lot of his books and a lot of his interviews. And he is famous for predicting $15,000 gold. And I just wanted to run the numbers with you guys on this scenario. Right now it's at 1650, so you'd get like a nine bagger, pretty good investment, pretty good return. But if silver were able to revert back to its mean ratio, the gold to silver ratio of 15 to one, that would give a silver price of $1,000 an ounce. That would be stupid gains. That would be absolutely stupid. I. That's a 50 bagger from here. I can only imagine what the silver miners would do. Their free cash flow and their profit margins would go through the roof. And even if it reverted, or even if it stayed at the 90 to one current ratio, at $15,000 an ounce gold, you'd still have $166 an ounce silver right now, which would be a very, very favorable investment. And all of this, it, it ties in with the increasing industrial demand. There is like a thousand uses for industrial use for silver. And uh, two of the biggest are solar panels and electric vehicles. If you have ever watched the news, then, then you know or listen to politicians, you can probably infer that we are going to continue to dramatically increase the amount of electric vehicles that go on the market and dramatically increase the amount of, <clears throat> the amount of solar panels that are being brought onto the market. So as we increase those amounts, it requires more silver, which takes more of the supply out of the market, which we currently, we need to increase the spot price to incentivize further production to meet all of these needs. And with that guys, that, that just about wraps it up. Silver, top investment of the 2020s. Honestly, I'd probably wanna hold it for a lot longer depending on what happens. Number two was uranium miners. Number three was gold and silver miners. Number four was crypto and blockchain technologies. And five, the least fun one that's taking years and years and years, hopefully decades, and dollar cost averaging into index funds, specifically the S&P 500. So I hope you guys thought this was valuable. I hope it inspires you to go out and do some more research and do what you can to create a plan to 
give yourself a promising financial future. And I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Tune into Max's Morning Market Mania. It comes out every Monday about 7 a.m. Every Wednesday, we have a full length, Jay and Nolan, the three of us, we hop on. Sometimes we have a guest. Sometimes we talk about current events. We shoot the shit. We have fun. That's Wednesday mornings. And then Thursday nights, we have gaming every single week. Tune into that. Really appreciate you guys listening. If you found this valuable, please share it. It would mean the world to me. And it'll help get this movement out and help inform and empower our friends and family and loved ones. So with that being said, cheers, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week.